Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Turn to Judges chapter 3. Judges chapter 3 is where we are. Israel has uh, long since been in the land. They've had their inheritance now for quite a long time. And uh, they kind of forgot to pay attention to God recently, haven't they? They stopped paying attention. They stopped listening. Joshua and the leaders of that time, they are all died off now. And Israel's just forgot. And guess what happens when you forget about God? You go back to sinning again like we all bunch of knuckleheads do. Don't point at Israel and say, oh, I wouldn't have done that. Oh, yeah, you would. (laughs) People are people. God has to draw us like he does anyone. And so now here we are in Judges 3. The Israelites are in the land. They're not listening. Things are getting bad. And uh, what's God going to do about it? There's some really neat stuff that came in here uh, into this chapter. Neat stuff coming up here with a nice little play on words that opens up to a wonderful meeting here in Judges 3 that we're going to, let's go into it. Judges, three and one. It's talking about the nations that are remaining in the land. Now, these are the nations which the Lord left that he might test Israel by them. That is all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it. Namely, five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, the Hivites who dwelt in Mount Lebanon, and, uh, and from Mount Baal, Hermon, to the entrance of Hamath. And they were left that he might test Israel by them to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. So here's all these nations still in the land. God's got to point to them. Okay, you didn't wipe them out. You didn't take them out like I told you to. So they're still in the land so that he can test them. But you got to remember, who is left in there? These were Canaanites. That's why it's called the the promised land is called the land of Canaan, because they were the enemy living there. And way back from the curse that Noah pronounced on Canaan in Genesis 9 and 25, these Canaanites were supposed to be servants of servants to their brothers. They're supposed to be servants of Israel, not the other way around. What we have is a flip-flop. Israel is now servant to the Canaanites. That curse went the other way. So when Judges 3 says that the Canaanites are still here, (laughs) that should show you the damage that happens when you disobey God. These opposing forces that are going to come against you, oh God, why are these opposing forces here? I told you to take them out. Well, now he's going to use them. They're still here. And Israel's obedience had cost them a lot of the God-given blessing they're supposed to have. If sometimes you get caught in a snag where you're wondering, where's all the blessing I'm supposed to have from the Lord? Maybe there's a disobedience factor in your life somewhere blocking it. Oh. I'm telling you, this isn't just the Israelites here. This is us. You're in this with me, okay? (laughs) 
So now they're going to be tested by the enemy. Plus, you remember in the last chapter, the enemy is supposed to help them learn war. These people don't know how to fight. You're going to learn war now. And a lot of this, the Israelites at this point are now too young to have remembered the days of Joshua. Joshua and all his leadership are long gone. They're sinning like crazy now, ignoring the Lord, and God's going to use them to bring them back up. He's going to teach them how to fight by using this enemy against them. Judges 3 and 5. Thus the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Peritites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be their wives, and gave their daughters to their sons, and served their gods. He told them, don't do that. The Israelites, they had lowered themselves down several layers. They went several layers down below what they're supposed to be. First, it says they went to live with the Canaanites. God told them don't dwell with them. The second step down was that they started to intermarry with them. We're not just living with them, now we're marrying them. And I remember how upset Nehemiah was. I remember reading Nehemiah, he left for a while after the wall got built up around Jerusalem, everything's okay. He left for a while and he came back and he found a bunch of children of Israel that couldn't even speak Hebrew. And he was like, this is messed up, man. Our own kids can't even talk our own language. He was very upset by that. And that was due to intermarriage. It caused the Israelites to adopt the pagan culture. And as a result, they lost their holiness with God. When you start adopting or adapting to what the world is just out there telling you, and you forget about God, you start losing holiness. You start losing your identity of who God wants and intends you to be. That's where the blessing is at. Well, I want to go play like the world's playing out there. You're losing your holiness. And here it comes. Here comes the trouble. Well, why is this trouble happening? Get back to holiness. Stop mingling with all the mess out there. Get out of it. And the Israelites did another step down, the third step down. They actually started serving the Canaanites, false gods. First it's, oh, we're just going to live with them. Then it's, well, we're just going to marry them. Then the next thing you know, they're serving their gods. Do you see how that little progression works? First, we got a little hook in you. Now we got you in the net. Next thing you know, we're filleting and frying you. That's the problem. Three steps down. This is how a downward spiral starts. First, it looks good. It looks okay. Oh, we're just going to be friends with them. We're just going to be friends. But man, it takes you down a bad road. Scripture says bad company corrupts good habits. You want holiness with God? You got to identify the ungodly. Stay away from them. But they're my friends. Stay away from them. But, but I, they're, they're nice people if you get to know them. You think so? God's nice if you get to know him too. Can't have both. Judges 3 and 7. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord. Hello. They served the Baals and Asherahs. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rehashtaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Cushan Rehashtaim eight years. They're not supposed to be serving the Canaanites and all these other guys. The Canaanites Canaanites are supposed to be serving Israel. And this whole thing got flipped upside down. It got flipped upside down because it started with, oh, we're just going to be friends. Oh, well, she's nice looking. I'm just going to marry her. Next thing you know, you're bound to their gods. Here you go. Slavery. Just like that. There it is. Our present culture 
believes in a false God that's okay with sin because he just loves everybody so much. Oh, God just loves everybody so much. All he wants to do is just give you all these good things and he will never do any harm to you because God just loves, 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 loves. Blessing, blessing, blessing. Here, take all this blessing that I've got. Friends, the passage says that God was so angry. This is the Bible. God was so angry that he sold them into slavery. Did you see that? He sold them into slavery. You even bring up the mention of the word slavery today. People get hot. People get mad. Matter of fact, when I was in tech school, there was terminology in computers. You could have a C drive, hard drive in the computer called the master. And if you put another hard drive in, it was called the slave. Later on, I found out, oh, you're not supposed to say that anymore. I said, why? Because you're saying master and slave. That's offensive. Can't say it. So so don't say that. We don't want to think about slavery. Guys, God sold the Israelites into slavery. Well, that doesn't sound like the God I worship. That sounds like the God you made up. So God had told Israel, go in the land and tear down their altars. You talk about offensive. Tear their altars down. That's my altar. Yeah, my God told me to tear it down. Smack. Do you see what's going on here? It's the the wrong way. It's backwards. He sold them off into slavery. Why? To get them to turn back to him. That's why. And like I said earlier, when you believe in the false God of our culture, you will lose your holiness with God. And it will make you subject to the slavery of sin. You don't want to be subject to slavery of sin. You don't want it. Any of you who have been saved and truly come out of it, you're glad to be out of it. And every little snag that comes along the way, you don't want it anymore. Stick to your holiness with God. Stick to the holiness of God. Judges 3 and 9. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, oh, there it is. I'm going to spin around because the story just turned. (laughs) When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel. Who delivered them? Look at that. Othniel, the son of Kenaz. We remember him, don't we? Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord delivered Cushan Rehashthaim, the king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed over Cushan Rehashthaim. So the land had rest for 40 years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. Okay, how much, how much time were we dealing with when they sinned? It was eight years, wasn't it? Then they cried out to God and turned. They got 40 years. Oh, we just went from this much to this much. <laughs> God gives, doesn't he? So Israel cried out, and although God's anger was still hot against them, and although their sin provoked his anger for a very long time, mind you, he still raised up a deliverer. That's so good. You know what this means? This means that God loves repentance. That's what this means. And God doesn't wait for you to stop sinning first on your own and figure out how to clean up your own life first before hearing your repentance. He received their repentance while they were still intermarried, while they were still serving. They realized something's wrong and they cried out, Bam! Let's get a deliverer in there and clean this mess up. There's a lot of people 
They think they have to clean their own mess up first. The reason I'm pounding on this is because there's a lot of people around Christian circles. They will never get that guilt out of their mind because they think they have to clean up to such a level first. They have to reach such a level of perfection, such a level of goodness before God will really accept them. And they live their life just just beat down. I just can't be good enough. No, you can't. That's why you need a Savior. You can't clean your mess up. You can't fix it. The damage is already done. You've got to realize that God loves the repentant cry of sinners. That's what God likes. And look what he did for Israel. Romans 5.8 is a good way to demonstrate this to us. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't say, you clean up your act first and then Jesus will die for you. You get up perfect to such a level of goodness first, and then I'll die for you. No, Jesus died while we were still sinning. You were never going to fix it. You were never going to clean it up. Don't beat yourself up thinking, I'm not good enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. You won't be. That's why you need the Messiah. Stick close to God and His holiness. He'll take care of it. He sent the deliverer, Jesus. You know what a lifeguard does? A lifeguard saves people who are drowning. That's kind of my primary picture when I think of a lifeguard. They save people when they're drowning. When somebody's drowning, he doesn't sit up there in his chair and says, now you, you swim first, and then when you get to swimming, get to the shallow end, then I'll come down there and see if you're all right. That's not what the lifeguard does. While you're drowning, he jumps off the chair to save you while you're drowning. The deliverer. Now, that's obvious to us, but I don't think a lot of people see Jesus like this. Like I said, they think they got to learn to swim first and get ashore before Jesus will get involved. And it's sad because they spend all those years under distress because they're just never good enough. I'm just never good enough. I'm, I'm not like them. It's not based on you. It's based on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't be that good. We're sinners. We blew it. Forget the power of self. I know the world is, is, is saying it, power of self. Imagine if the lifeguard sat on the chair watching you drowning and saying, oh, come on, you can do it. Just believe in yourself. If you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. That's not what Jesus did. It says Israel, once they, once they cried out, here comes God's lifeguard, Caleb. Here he comes. He's jumping in. He's at it. We were drowning in our sin, and God sent Messiah Jesus to save us. And so in this story here in Judges 3, God is giving a foreshadowing view of the Messiah yet to come and how he raised up Othniel to be a deliverer for Israel. God has also raised up Jesus for us. He sent a deliverer for us, just the same. But I want you to see the timing. Israel realized, now we're in trouble. Now we're drowning. They cried out, here comes the deliverer. I want everybody to understand this. because I want you to stop killing yourself thinking you've got to climb out of the hole first. Call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. Amen? That's good, good news. So Caleb's work brought 40 years of peace. 40. That's more than the eight they went through under King Melechalagala. That's a lot of time. I'm not trying anymore. Judges 3 and 12, and the children of Israel again. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. 
The children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Amalek, went and defeated Israel, and took possession of the city of Palms. So the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, 18 years. It's getting worse, isn't it? First we had eight, delivered 40, messed up again. Now you went from eight to 18. You think God's trying to get their attention? Has God ever tried to get your attention like this? You keep messing up, it's going to get worse. (laughs) Well, here we go again. And what's interesting is how God exercises his sovereign control over human affairs. You see what he did here? Because it says he gave Eglon, the king of Moab, more power. You think Eglon thought himself proud? Oh, look at me. I just got all powerful. I am, I am awesome. Check me out. I'm king of Eglon. I'm better than I used to be. Uh-uh. God gave you that. And it wasn't for your purpose, buddy. It was for his. He gave Eglon more power just for the purpose of getting Israel to turn back again. Now, Eglon, his power coming up, not because he's this all perfect king. Well, I got this whole king thing down, man. I got it down. I'm awesome. No, God gave you that. And the reason I wanted to say that is a lot of people, they're proud of their position. They're proud of their status. They're proud of their achievements. Did you really do that? Or did God give you that for some kind of purpose? Hmm, gives you something to think about, doesn't it? Don't get too proud. It may be for God's purpose. Now, here's this 18 years, Israel's slave again. Now, it says King Eglon was a Moabite. And it says he gathered the people of Ammon and Amalek, and they defeated Israel. Now you're beat. Wait a minute. We're God's people. Aren't we supposed to be victorious? Yeah, if you're doing what he tells you to do. They defeated Israel. The Moabites were descendants. Let's let's paint the picture here. The Moabites were descendants of an incest relationship that Lot had with his daughters back in Genesis 19. That didn't start well. So here's this sin-infected, ungodly culture of people. And if that wasn't bad enough, of all people, the Amalekites get involved. The Amalekites. They had been bitter enemies of Israel for a very long time. Way back in Exodus 17, Moses was trying to get Israel to the promised land. The Amalekites are the ones that ambushed Israel from the rear of the caravan. The rear is back where you're elderly, you're you're weaker, your children, your slower people would be. And so to attack from the back is cowardly. It's a cowardly little sneaky snake in the grass move that the Amalekites did. And God was so angered by this ambush that he actually said, I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. These people hated God, and God didn't like them either. And of all people Eglin joined up with was these guys? See how bad this is getting? This is getting bad quick. And so these people got together against Israel. This is not just some random kingdom that God is using here. These are people that hate Israel with a passion. These people hate Israel. And God's using them. Guys, you know we have enemies out there. And if you fall out of obedience with God, what do you think he'll do? He could very well use those enemies against you. You don't want to fall prey to your enemies, do you? Follow the Lord. Do what he says. Now, you've heard the saying, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. 
but to think that God would rather hand Israel over to their worst enemy than watch them sit in their sin. He would rather do that than let sin have them. Guys, this is painting a picture to us how bad sin is. Sin is bad. And there's too many people out there going, no, I'm okay with it. I enjoy it. I have fun with it. Sin is worse than your worst enemy. Judges 3 and 15. Here we go again. (laughs) But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera. Oh, I, I like it. It's best to just stick with repentance and stay there. So this 18-year-long heavy pressure caused Israel to finally cry out. You know what? You got to realize this time it took them 18 years before they did it. There's a little hard-headedness in here too. Finally cry out. You know, I, I got to thinking when I was reading this, wouldn't it be good if we could just learn to cry out to God without having to go through this mess first? Wouldn't it be good just, just to cry out? Not let it get that bad. Just realize you need God and just cry out without the pressure. But let's notice that God raised up two men to judge Israel and two men to deliver Israel. Cushan, Reheshtaim, and Eglon were raised up to judge, but Othniel and Ehud to deliver. You know, God is not going to let anybody raise up against you to judge you without raising up somebody he intends to deliver you to. Now, these men didn't raise themselves up, none of them, to judge or to deliver. Not one of them raised themselves up. It says God did all that. So like I said, if things are getting bad, maybe you need to turn to God. If things are real good, well, man, I'm good at my job. I'm awesome. I'm making all this money. Hey, don't you get proud. God may be raising you up for something that he will take it away from you, which we're about to see. Oh, Judges 3 and 15. 3 and 15. But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. Y'all pay attention to these details. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud made himself a dagger. It was double-edged and a cubit in length and fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. Now, there's some Hebrew I'm going to try to drag you through here because there's a play on words and a lot of what's going on right now. So listen carefully, you're going to miss it. (laughs) Uh, Ehud's tribe is Benjamin in Hebrew. Hebrew, uh, Benjamin is son of the south, with the south derived from the, uh, the word for the right-hand side. I, I think it was uh, said that if, the, if they positioned their backs up against the Mediterranean Sea, their right hand would be pointing south. So if they, they kind of position themselves with the Mediterranean behind them, this is south, my right hand. So uh, Benjamin means right hand or south side. So being called a Benjamite would have been synonymous with being right-handed. Typically, we think you're right-handed. Most of the guys would fight right-handed with their sword, right? So, but the Bible says, and this is why the Bible says, Ehud is a Benjamite, a left-handed man. You see that? Ehud of the tribe of the right-handed, left-handed guy. Your Hebrew thinking would be like, what? It would grab you. I'm trying to grab you without being Hebrew. (laughs) Doing my best. Okay, this went against normal thinking of what Benjamites were perceived to be. They were perceived to be right-handed. So here you've got Ehud, a left-hander from the tribe that means son of the right hand. Left-handed guy. Strange. Okay, what's going on? This is an odd scenario.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.